Hi, this is Finlay. And this is Katie. And this is Miss Mays' monthly book talk for her AM language arts class. Enjoy! Finlay Amos, Crowfeather's Trial. A family torn apart, secrets uncovered that were best left hidden. Crowfeather's Trial, a fantasy novel written by Aaron Hunter. Crowfeather is a warrior in WindClan and father of one. Breezepelt, his son, is a newly appointed warrior who is extremely arrogant and rash. Then there is Nightcloud, calm, strict, but loving to her son. The thing is, they all hate each other. Leafpool, who is a Thunderclan warrior, fell in love with Crowfeather, and they had kids. Knowing that Crowfeather is WindClan, relationships between those two clans are kind of illegal. But it happens anyways. Afterwards, once the two realize their mistakes and break up, Crowfeather pairs with Nightcloud. They have Breezepelt. So knowing this, Breezepelt's siblings are half-clan, which means his father Crowfeather had his siblings with another cat in another clan. So Breezepelt does not like him one bit. Nightcloud knows about the whole relationship thing too. So she hates him, also. Crowfeather tries to talk to them, but they don't listen, so he's all alone. Windclan notices a tunnel that is infested with white stoats. They try to drive them out, but the stoats injure them and take Nightcloud. Now it's up to Crowfeather and Breezebelt to get their mother and mate back. Will they? Will they get over their differences and save their kin? This was his trial, Crowfeather's trial. All in all, I would give this book a 4.5 out of 5. It had a really good storyline, it was consistent with its plot, and didn't stray away too much from the main story. Also, the author really went in-depth with the characters and gave them all an even amount of book time, which is how much they spoke slash were included in the story. The only reason I didn't give this book a 5 out of 5 is that there wasn't much going on between the big events in the book. It was more relaxed and everything was a-okay. That was the only really thing I didn't like. Katie Peacock Book Talk. I read The Sound of Your Voice, Only Really Far Away, a realistic fiction novel by Frances O'Rourke Dowell. This book switches between the point of view of Marilyn and Kate. In the book, Marilyn and Kate have been friends for a really long time. Marilyn is a middle school cheerleader who has to be friends with certain people, wear certain clothes, date certain boys, always smile, and keep her manicure and pedicure in perfect shape. Kate plays guitar and doesn't let people tell her what to do. Kate starts dating a boy named Matthew, who also plays guitar, but after their first kiss, Kate thinks he seems distracted and doesn't care about their relationship. Everything goes wrong when Marilyn and a boy named Benjamin, who's a student body president, fall in love. When Maisie, one of the other cheerleaders, finds out, she tells Marilyn she can't date him, so Marilyn just tells her that she's playing him to get new cheerleader uniforms. Marilyn thinks that everyone will like her when she gets the uniforms, and they will be fine with her dating Benjamin. One night, Marilyn and Kate have a slumber party at Marilyn's house when Maisie calls her to tell her that her and the cheer captain, Ruby, will be there in 15 minutes so they can get mani-pedis. After Marilyn gets off the phone, Kate storms out of her house. Marilyn decides that she will have to choose between Papillade and everyone liking her and Benjamin and Kate. She runs out of her house to catch up with Kate and asks her to help her stand up to Maisie. When Maisie and Ruby get there, Maisie yells at Marilyn to get in the car, but Marilyn tells her that she's having a sleepover with Kate. Maisie tells her that this isn't over and to expect a text later. Then they drove away. At school the next week, Marilyn is avoided by all the cheerleaders, but she thinks everyone will be fine when she gets new cheerleading uniforms. Kate and her friend Lorna decide to enter a contest for things to spend the school's money on. They decide that 
The school should grow a garden and eat that for lunch instead of the gross stuff they serve in the cafeteria. Later, Kate finds out that Marilyn is entering the contest too and wants to spend the money on new children uniforms. Kate also finds out that Matthew wants to use it on new equipment for the audio lab. Kate tells him that she will help him that night, but Lorna gets mad when she finds out. Who do you think will win the contest? Will everything turn out right for Marilyn Benjamin? I give this book a 9.5 out of 10 because I really like it, but it isn't perfect. I'd recommend this this book to mainly girls because I don't think boys would be a very interested in romance in a drama book. By Spencer Quinn. For my book that I read for April was Art. This is a wonderful mystery story with a dog named Bowser and his girl named Birdie. The story begins with a break-in at their house. Oh, I almost forgot. There are two other people that are living with them, too. Their names are Grammy and Mama. Anyway, back to the break-in. Someone broke into their house and took a box in Mama's room. Later, we find out that Bertie's dad dies as an officer in service, and that had something to do with that box. And it had a medal in it, but some reason that person who broke into their house did not take it. They don't know why people would break into their house, or why they did not take anything valuable or important. But the real question is who has anything against them in the small town that they live in? I rate this book five stars out of 10, five stars out of five, because you never know what's going to happen I, happen next. I recommend the story for all ages, especially people who like mystery books. I, rec- I really liked how the author foreshadowed some some things but not others. So hop on in and enjoy the ride of being in Bowser's mind to try and crack this mystery. Are you a gifted child looking for special opportunities? When Renee Muldoon went to take a test for children looking for special opportunities, he didn't think that he would end up as a spy attending a prestigious academy. He didn't think that he would make three new friends. He didn't think that his life would change forever, and he didn't think that he would overcome his greatest fear. All this and more happened in the Mysterious Benedict Society by Trenton Lee Stewart. Mr. Benedict had designed a series of tests to handpick children who would stop Mr. Curtin from taking over the world. Mr. Curtin planned to broadcast messages into the minds of everyone, causing horrible things. Renee was one of the few people who could pass these tests. Three other children passed. One was Sticky, who could memorize everything he read or did. Another was Kate, who had lived at the circus but had come for the testing. She always carried a bucket around with basic supplies. She was very handy and could do pretty much everything with what she had in her bucket. And finally, Constance. Constance was was a grumpy, whiny, mean midget. But for some reason, she made the team. They were sent to to the Learning Institute for the Very Enlightened, or LIV for short. In LIV, there are normal students, messengers, and executives. The classes were very dull, and the students had to memorize phrases such as poison apples, poison worms. Those who memorized them the best would become messengers and get special privileges. The executives were a step up from messengers and basically ran the show. Mr. Benedict wanted the children to become messengers and then report back to him with what they had learned. Sticky and Renee had became messengers without any trouble, but the girls were struggling. Constance was just... she was Constance and Kate was better with tools than books. Now I talked earlier about the special privileges that the messengers got. They were hooked up to a machine, which asked about their greatest fear, comforted them, and then made them repeat the phrases they had learned in class into the machine. These were then broadcasted to anything that was electronic. 
Mr. Curtin was going to broadcast these directly into the minds of others. The four friends, or as they had named themselves, the Mysterious Benedict Society, had to stop that. And so they did some detective work and poked around. In the end, Renee and Siggy were trapped in Mr. Curtin's office with the project being almost finished. A few more minutes and Mr. Curtin would be able to broadcast directly into everyone's head. It seemed all hope was lost, but then I can't tell you anymore. It would spoil the book. Happy reading! If I were to rate this book, I would give it 9.5 stars out of 10. It is very good, and I really recommend it for anyone who likes mysteries, tests, and just books in general. It is an amazing book filled with plot twists and cliffhangers, and it all started with one sentence. Are you a gifted child looking for special opportunities? Tell Principal Klein I'm resigning, effective, immediately. Did you hear that? This is amazing. Have you ever had your teacher quit right in the middle of your class? Well, class 507 did, but not just only quit. Principal Klein doesn't even know. Kyle is one of the kids in the school who is always goofing off. He does things like eraser fights and more. Samantha is a snotty rich kid who cares about money and judging other people's fashion. Adam always gets detention. The only thing he likes about it is there's a metal bucket with lollipops outside the office. Eric is one of the kids who don't talk in class. He never raises his hands or votes. Maddie is one of the brains in the class. She sits in the front row and wants to go to Harvard. This is the fifth grade year for Kyle, Samantha, Adam, Eric, and Maddie. Class 507 was building volcanoes that ooze when you add vinegar. Giovanna was putting the vinegar in, but she didn't know how much to add. Since Miss Bryce was busy yelling at Adam, Giovanna dumps the whole jar of vinegar in and the ooze goes everywhere. It was all over the floor and ruined Miss Bryce's shoes. This is the third pair of shoes they ruined this year, and this is when it happened. Miss Bryce called the office and quit. But at the office, but at the office, Miss Wilson's necklace got stuck in the disposal. Then they, then suddenly his hand jerks back and a spout of water sucks over his faces. A call came from Miss Bryce's room. Since Pr- Principal Kline were so busy, Adam decided to answer the phone. Adam was shocked. He decided to run back to the room and tell the news. Everybody in the class knew that Miss Bryce quit, but he didn't know that Principal Kline didn't know. Kyle didn't want a new teacher, so he made an announcement to the whole class saying we should keep quiet and have fun. Maggie disagreed, and she didn't want to do it. Kyle had the whole class vote whether if we should vote it, if we should keep quiet, or tell Principal Klein. Mostly, everybody chose to keep quiet. The class brains voted to tell, and Eric didn't even vote. Principal Klein was very confused because Mrs. Bryce always have to, is in the bathroom. Eventually, after two weeks, they were very tired of night and did the right thing. I think Class 507 should have told Principal Klein earlier and it would be much better. Also, I think that the author had a great idea of making a class with no teacher. I, I have never heard of a book like this. I recommended this to everybody, and this book is full of problem-solving events that many people will learn from. I give this book a 5 out of 5 stars. 
There is nothing I would change about this book. The author of this book is Alan Woodrow, and the genre is realistic fiction. Considering we don't have a teacher, we took care of it pretty well, if you ask me. If you were in this situation, what would you do? Keep quiet or tell the principal? why cats eyes glow in the dark why didn't old people smile in old photos do plants feel pain does a goldfish memory only last a few seconds these are questions that people ask to get answered and they will be imagine you are in hiroshima and you just got a nuclear nuclear bomb dropped on you in hiroshima and the only species that were really living were cockroaches. In Hiroshima, cockroaches were the only, the only animal species to survive. Fun fact for you. The title of my book is called Why Do Roller Coasters Make You Puke? And the author is Andrew Thompson. So this guy named Nick, who is 23 and right at the time period, it is June 24th, 2015, talks with us through all these fake imaginary scenes with real-life facts inside of them. And you will never know when those facts pop up. Then we get to a bit of trouble when we must find Nick's way out of the book with some tools that we have to get them out. Then we zoom through the pages trying to find him because once we find him, we find plants and animals and cats. We are in the book with Nick because we blew it. Now we're all trapped. If things don't get better, we will end it. We'll be in the book forever. Now we are in the book wondering what can help us get out of the book without hurting one another. We must get out together if one gets out before the other. The other is trapped in there forever. Us and Nick must work out to get out at the same time before time runs out. It is very intense. Us and Nick have gone to page 77 already looking for clues. And then, then he finds a, a key to a portal after we play with imaginary things. We get to the key and head to the door. We are safe with the portal, but when we get there, there are a thousand keys on the side. How are we ever going to find the right key in enough time? I felt that this book was intense, and I also felt that it was kind of like an interactive TV show. This book I found in Florida when I went to Disney World that summer. I gave it to my cousin two days ago on the 24th. The author did a wonderful job on, on this book by writing it, and how interactive it is makes it phenomenal. I would recommend this to younger audiences because it's more for 5th and 6th graders because of all the intense things that are in the book. This book is uh, rated 9 out of 10. This book is very well recommended for everyone. And remember, why do roller coasters make you puke? judged you that you do love him. I'm not saying in what way. Maybe you don't know yourself, but anyone paying attention could see how much you care about him, he says gently. Finnick Odair. Oh, sorry, didn't see you. Just reading old quotes from my favorite char- from some of my favorite characters in Mockingjay by Suzanne Collins. Mockingjay is the third book in the series from The Hunger Games. In this series, you will see the world after it was destroyed and rebuilt with a few new changes including the fact that you now have districts and they all might make something and they all must make something for the capital. But the biggest change was that there's a little something called the Hunger Games. Those are where 24 children from the ages of 12 to 18, which might be some of you, get thrown into an arena to kill each other. In the 74th Hunger Games, Katniss Everdeen and Peter Malark were selected to go. Before long, they became the star-crossed lovers from District 12, which was their district. This, as far as we know, could have been America far in the future, or America way back in the past, or this may never happen. We will never know. The problem is that President Snow believes that the districts won't rebel against the Capitol, which 
is not the smartest. A theme of this series is along the lines of a place where that makes people happy for what we have now instead of what we could be like. Because now everybody's whining about their cell phone is dead or something. Where if we all lived there, we would be scared of our, fam- or of our friends, family, or even ourselves being raped. If I had to rate this out of five stars, I would give it all five because it is a very good series and it is very suspenseful. Will the districts overthrow the capital? Read the series to find out. Have you ever met real life ninjas? Well, the two main characters, Jack and Annie, have. They meet real ninjas in this wild adventure. So, listen up. This time, Jack and Annie's amazing adventure takes place in good old Japan. I don't know the exact time period, but it was definitely like a while ago, like the early history of Japan and stuff. They land in this, they land in this gorgeous tree with white and pink blossoms. They spot two ninjas. Oh no. The ninjas saw them too. Clang, clang, went their spikes as they proceeded to climb up the tree. Jack and Annie are in a panic looking for the Pennsylvania book, the book that will get them home if you don't know. But they can't find it because they know they have a mission to complete first. The ninjas are signaled by pointing their index finger to follow them. They followed the ninjas hesitantly. It was quite a long journey from the tree to cave to the cave where the secret meeting place where the ninja master lives. The ninja master asked Jack and Annie questions like where they were from and why they were there. He also told them to use nature, be nature, and follow nature. The ninja master strapped on his sword and said, You must go to the treehouse at lies east and beware of the samurai. Well, what do you think will happen next? Will Jack and Annie defeat the samurai and get back to the treehouse and go home, or will the samurai turn them into human sushi? I can't tell you because I don't want to spoil the book for you, but you should probably go check it out. It's an amazing it's an amazing book called Magic Treehouse Night of the Ninjas by Mary Pope Osborne. This book is fantasy, obviously, and it sure won't, and you sure won't waste your time reading this book. One of the reasons why is because it has great ratings. 91% of Google users have enjoyed this book and it has a 4.7 out of 5 on Amazon. She immediately took off the ring and put it under her pillow. As she did so, she fancied she felt a finger and a thumb take it gently from under her palm, and then, feeling with the fourth finger of her right hand, she soon found her grandmother's thread, which she proceeded at once to follow. Have you ever wondered what a goblin looks like? Or if your grandmother is magical? And if there is a secret passageway in your house? If you have, you would like the book The Princess and the Goblin. Princess Irene lives on a mountain with her nurse, who she calls Ludie, and other servants. One day, she goes exploring in her house and finds her great, beautiful old grandmother. She must go back downstairs, and when she gets back, she tells Ludie about her grandmother, but Ludie doesn't believe her. After a while, Irene starts to wonder if her grandmother was a dream. Once, she was going on a walk with Ludie, and it was very late. The sun was setting. Ludie got very frightened and started running down the mountain. She was going so fast and pulling Irene so hard that the princess stumbled and fell on a rock. Then a goblin came out and scared Ludie a lot. A minor boy, Curdy, came strolling down the path. He saw what was happening and said a cruel rhyme. The goblin went away and Irene was so happy that she promised to give Curdy a kiss. But Ludie wouldn't let him, so he went back to his family. Then Irene found her grandmother again. 
So our grandmother gave Irene a string that she hooked onto Irene's ring. Whenever you are in danger, follow this string. It will lead me to you, or lead you to me. It might seem like a long route to take, but follow it wherever it leads you. Meanwhile, Curdy and his father are miners. One day when they go mining, Curdy stayed there later than normal. He heard goblins talking and listened to them. He heard their voices and saw them leave. He follows them. Where are they going, he wonders. He listens to them. Curdy realizes they are plotting to kidnap someone, but he doesn't have time to listen to them anymore because the goblins are coming. He runs back home. The princess keeps visiting her grandmother. Her dad comes to visit her sometimes. Every day, Curdy goes to the mine and try to figure out what is happening. He continues for a while and figures out what is going on. One day, Curdy gets captured by goblins. No one knows where he is, but Irene's thread seems to be leading her somewhere, somewhere far from home, into a cluster of rocks toward a voice that is strangely familiar. Is Irene's thread leading her to Curdy to rescue him? Will she be able to? To find out, read The Princess and the Goblin. I think this book was cool. There's suspenseful parts, interesting parts, surprising parts, parts, and even funny parts. I would recommend this book to my dad because he really likes fairy tales like this. If you like fairy tales, you would like this too. I think the author has a really cool style of writing. I rate this 4 out of 5 stars because I like this a lot, but there are definitely other books that I like better. Because of what I told you, would you like to read The Princess and the Goblin? If you tried to predict the ending, you'd be surprised at how wrong you are. This book has many twists and turns that I can't wait for you to see. Hey you, yes you, come close little one, and bring your friends too. Come on, come on, gather around, there's plenty of space. I couldn't help but recognize that you guys were pretending to be the 13 dwarves and the wizard. Well, let me tell you the adventurous tale of those 13 dwarves and the wizard. They were traveling because they wanted to relive their younger days. Before they set off, they had had one huge feast to, the, to delay their hunger as much as possible. The next morning, they set off on their journey, riding their ponies through the misty mountains. A few days later, it started to storm very badly and they needed to find shelter that could fit everyone. So then they set, sent out their two youngest dwarfs, Philly and Killy. They returned having found shelter, so then they moved to the shelter and settled there for the night. In the morning, they noticed a big opening in the back of the cave, and it seems that their items have been rummaged through. They start investigating and soon find out that there were goblins nearby. They enter the goblins lair and start an attack to get their belongings back. That's when they realize that they were greatly outnumbered. Suddenly all the lights went out and the, all the goblins had dropped dead to the ground. Gandalf had cast a spell to make it all happen. They had explored further through the lair, and suddenly poor old Mr. Bilbo Baggins had fell into an even deeper cave. There, he encountered a creature named Colin, and he found a magical ring that granted invisibility to the host. Once he had met back up with the, the rest of them, they continued their journey 
through the forest. While they, while there, they ran into a little trouble with some wargs. Then, out of nowhere, comes an army of goblins chanting and screaming. They were chasing the Lord of the Eagles. The hobbits were surrounded up in the trees. Gandalf started picking pine cones of off of the trees and light and lighting them with the prettiest blue flame. He started throwing them at the wargs and an even bigger fire started, eventually light igniting a couple of trees. Then a couple of the eagles came over and picked the dwarves up and flew them back into the mountains. As Mr. Bilbo Baggins would say, they were spat out of the frying pan back into the fire. They continued with their journey being set back a couple of miles. Once they got further into the forest, they stumbled upon a fortress. That hunger must have really gotten to their head because they figured it was a good idea to enter the fortress uninvited. They were then captured and imprisoned for several days, although they were fed well. When the king was feasting with the rest of his people, they snuck out of their cells and hid in barrels. Unexpectedly, the guards were ordered to throw the barrels into the river. It was tight and uncomfortable for many of the dwarves, except for Philly and Killy, since they were not fully grown yet. They made more progress in the barrels than they had ever made before them. When they finally escaped the barrels, they headed back through the forest. Luckily, they only had a little ways to go until they were out of the forest. It drew dusk, and the dwarves were hungrier than ever. They started seeing a bunch of lights and noises as if it were a feast. So like any hungry animal, they went towards it. When they arrived, all the lights went out within a second. They gave up and decided to settle down for the night. They all dreamt wonderful dreams, but when they woke up, they were hit with reality that they were still cold, sore, and hungry. Dilbo was having trouble finding the other dwarves until he realized that they were hanging in webs from a branch. He looked around the tree and saw several dozen spiders. Luckily, Bilbo had an idea. He had slipped on the ring that he found in the cave and started throwing rocks at the spiders. He had good enough aim to strike a couple dead. He began to taunt them and lead them away from the tree. Once they were far enough away, he freed his friends and they escaped. Well, it's about time for supper. I should let you go now. What do you say we all meet back here tomorrow, after lunch, to finish the story? What was that you say? Sir, oh please, call me Mr. Bilbo Baggins. See you tomorrow. This book is The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. I would recommend this book to all ages. I think that people that like adventure would love this book. I think that the theme of this book is determination. I think that because even though they were cold and hungry, they kept going, knowing that it would pay off in the end. Just looking for trouble, he said softly to the cockroach. You want my mom to see you? 
Hi, my name is Gregor and I'm from the book Gregor and the Prophecy of Bane by Suzanne Collins. Me, my mom, and my sister just recently moved into a new apartment in New York City after returning my father from the underline, which was deep under New York City. He was really sick after being imprisoned for many years. We were hoping that we would never have to go to the underland after what happened. Then when it was almost Christmas, when it was almost Christmas time, me and my family were going to play in the snow at Central Park. Then the next thing I know, I turn around and Boots is gone. Then I had to do what I didn't want to ever have to do again and go back to the underworld. I then realized that the cockroaches that took my sister weren't trying to kill her. Something else was. I really enjoyed this book. It was one of the first books that I read a majority of it at home. This would be a good book for people who like suspense and some bit of mystery. This book would get a four out of five stars. In your heart, those words in the deep throaty hoot of his father were perhaps the last thing Soren remembered before he landed with a soft thud on a pile of moss. Shaking himself and feeling a bit dazed, he tried to stand up. Nothing seemed broken, but how had this happened? The main character, Soren, had just fallen out of his home in the forest kingdom of Tidal, where the barn owls dwell. Soren, the middle child of his family of five, had fallen out of his home and was taken away to an orphanage. There, they had many rules, and one was no questions, which Soren, Soren had a lot of. Where was he? Why was he there? And where was his family? As Soren was there, some of those questions were answered, but he had one more question. What was really going on there? The owls in charge were so rude and cruel to the orphans. Through the harsh conditions and the hopelessness of the whole situation, Soren made friends. He and his friends would make a plan to escape and go back to their families. But the big problem was that they had to fly, something young birds weren't quite good at. So how would they escape? So this book starts off introducing the main character, Soren, and his personality. Then it throws him into a whole new world, the complete opposite of where he had been living. The author, Karen Lasky, turned the capture Guardians of Gahul upside down and then sideways. This book is uh, so good that they made a movie about it. A great movie that I love and I recommend to anybody who has good taste. I would also recommend it to people who like the warrior books. I haven't read them, but they are both animal books with action, I think. So, now I ask you this question. If you were taken away from what you love, would you try to escape, or would you stay where you don't belong? Imagine moving to a new place, a place where you know nobody. Well, that is what happened to Nicky Roth when he moved to Raven Brooks. He was a lonely kid until he meets his neighbors, the Petersons. Nicky immediately becomes friends with the Petersons' son, Aaron, they share the same talents, specifically lockpicking. Soon the boys are inseparable and start using their skills to pull pranks on the townspeople. But sometimes, Aaron, Aaron, something about Aaron bothers Nikki. People are afraid of the Peterson's family. Through clues from Aaron and a lot of investigating from Nikki, he discovers a dark past haunting the Petersons. The Petersons have been having lots of bad luck that they can't get rid of. Aaron thinks that it's all in the past, but Nikki thinks the Petersons are about to have another tragedy. Hello Neighbor Missing Pieces by Carly Ann West is a suspenseful novel. The book is told from Nikki's point of view 
I would give this book a 4 out of 5 star rating because I think it would be better with more pictures to give a better image to the reader. I would definitely recommend this book to people who love horror and suspenseful books. My book is Making Friends by Kristen Gutsnuck. This book's genre is realistic fiction. This story starts out when the main character, Danny, goes to seventh grade and starts talking about how she doesn't like it because all of her friends are in different classes, so she pretty much never gets to see them. Then she finds out that her great aunt Elma has passed, and she is found fighting over the belongings of hers that are important. She wants them to remember her aunt Elma. She eventually gets one of her aunt's sketchbooks. Later, she go she gets home and draws her favorite anime character anime character's head in the sketchbook. After she drew him in the sketchbook, he came to life. He could talk to her and the and she could talk back. He then he said that he wanted to go to school with her by being transported in her backpack. At school, someone was rude to her and she was talking to herself. about it and her favorite character that came to life said who is hurting you princess then after that day she decided to try and create some other things out of drawing so she decided to create a best friend after she creates her best friend she names her madison once madison came to life they started hanging out then he then danny has to tell madison that she is not real and well i'm not going to spoil that part i would rate this book 4.9 stars out of 5 because this is a really good book I would recommend this book to anyone that likes fictional books or graphic novels. The Fall in Our Stars by John Green. Imagine you were 16, have cancer, and two very protective parents. They both think you are depressed and they decide to send you to a support group for kids that have cancer like you. And most importantly, your favorite book of all time is An Imperial Affliction by Peter Van Heumann. This was the life of Hazel Grace. Hazel had thyroid cancer and mets in her lungs, so she had to carry an oxygen tank with her everywhere she went. She lived in Indiana, and she hated going to support group. But still, her mother made her go. She didn't think it was fair that she had to go and waste her time on something non-important when she could have been watching America's Next Top Model. But as soon as she... But as soon as a boy named Augustus Waters walked into support group, she didn't regret her decision to go to support group anymore. Augustus Waters was tall, smart, and handsome. He previously had cancer, and it cost him half a leg. But he came to the support group with one of his friends, Isaac. Isaac had cancer in his eyes and would have, and would have to get a surgery done, which would get rid of his cancer, but blind him. During the whole entire support group, Augustus had been staring at Hazel, and she wondered why. Hazel had always dreamed of meeting her favorite author of all time, Peter Van Heumann. She had, she had been reading his book, An Imperial Affliction, repeatedly for many years. So, when Hazel met Augustus, she decided that he wanted, she wanted him to read it too. About a week or two later, Augustus had called Hazel and told her how great the book really was. Soon, Hazel started going over to Augustus' house and hanging out with her, with him and they started to talk about their wishes. Hazel's number one wish, of course, her, was to meet Peter Van Heumann. So Augustus decided to spend his only wish on Hazel Grace. Augustus sent out a few emails to Peter, but he never replied until one day when he did. 
Augustus talked to his parents, Hazel's parents, and their doctors to make sure that they would be able to go to Amsterdam, which was, when, which was where Peter lived, and visit him. When Augustus told Hazel this news, at first, she didn't believe it. Soon enough, it was the day that they were going to be flying across the globe to Amsterdam. They were both stoked and couldn't wait. As soon as they got there, they went to their hotel room, settled in, and then they went to have dinner. The next morning, the next morning would be when they would go and meet Peter Van Houten. Would he be nice? Would he be old? Would he be rude? They were about to find out. I would rate this book five out of five because of the emotion and number of plot twists in the story. I would recommend this book to people who love romance, but not too much romance. People who like books that go from all, all good to terrible in just a page. The book's point of view is in first person, and it is a romance mixed with a realistic fiction. My book was Wings of Fire, the graphic novel. Hi, my name's Colleen. When I was younger, I was chosen to be a part of a prophecy. When I first hatched, I tried to kill my friends, or at least that's what everyone tells me. Yeah, I know, this is off to a bad start. I live in a cave with all my friends in Kestrel. Kestrel is the one who looks over us and trains us to fight. I hate fighting. It's so hard and so stupid, but back to my friends. If it weren't for them, I'd be out of my mind. They're the only good thing about my life. First, there's Sunny. She do, she's a deformed sandwing who has no stinger. She's an odd golden color. She's small and energetic. Then there's Tsunami. She's a sea wing who loves to fight. She thinks she is royalty. And she's kind of like my best frenemy. Then there's Starflight. He's a nightwing who loves to study. He hates fighting even more than me. And lastly, there's Glory. She's a rainwing. She is very sarcastic and she can turn invisible. One day when Glory was in trouble, we had to ditch the cave. We heard something in the distance and out of nowhere. Bam, Queen Sapphire aligned with Queen Burn attacked us. Sapphire is queen of the Skywings, an enemy of Kestrel, and Queen Burn is one of the queens of the Sandwings. She is running the war between all dragons just for fun. They capture us and take us to their arena. Then I meet a mysterious Skywing and our lives are changed forever. My book is Wings of Fire, the graphic novel, and to find out what happens next, Read the book. This book is written by um, Tui T. Sutherland. I, re I recommend this book to anyone who likes fantasy. This book is fantasy fiction. See you in the world of Pyria and the Dragon World. It starts out five minutes before Grace Cahill died when she changed to Will. Dan and Amy Cahill, her granddaughter and grandson, are invited to her funeral, and while they were there, they along with others received an invitation to come to a special event. At this event, they are given an option to leave with $1 million, where they can accept a challenge that will take place across the globe to find the most important Cahill secret of all time. Them being adventurers accept the challenge hesitantly, not knowing that the outcome, not knowing what the outcome will be. They're targeted by another family that accepted the challenge. The other family, blew up Grace's house while they were in the library, but luckily they got out with only minor injuries. They're being targeted by this family through the whole book. They travel to France because one of the clues they found that they, there they find a grave with both their names on it, but it was a trap and the ground opens and they fall in a pit. It was planned by different competitors. 
I felt that this book ended in a cliffhanger. I would recommend it to others that like the genre. The genre is adventure and fiction. The book is called Maze of Bones. It is in the series of 39 Clues. The 39 Clues is a series of books where families travel all around the world looking for clues to find a secret that Grace Cahill didn't tell anyone. The author is Rick Dan, but other books in the series have different authors. This book's, um, I would rate it an 8 out of 10. Is he here to glean one of us? What would life look like if there was no famine, no war, no terrorism, no death? Well, this is the world of Citra and Rowan. They live in a dystopian world somewhere after the 2040s. The book genre is, of course, dystopian. The, f the first time we meet our main characters is through a scythe. In the case of Citra, she, she and her family are visited by a scythe. Scythe Faraday. These men are very scary considering their jobs. Her family eats with the scythe, and as a gift for the meal, Citra's mother is gifted one-year immunity. Rowan's interaction with the scythe happens at his own school. When Scythe Godard has chosen a senior named Cole to be gleaned, our main characters meet face-to-face -face after receiving mysterious invites to a play. When they arrive, they are confused because they have no clue who each other are. During the first intermission, a Scythe Faraday shows up and gives simple instructions to meet at a certain address tomorrow morning, and that's the very place where their stories will truly begin. I, I enjoyed Scythe a lot, partly because of its plot. I would recommend this book to my brother and my friend Bailey. My brother, because dystopia, he likes dystopias, and I think he'd enjoy it. I would recommend this to Bailey because Scythe has a calm aesthetic to it that I think she'd like. The book is a 10 for me. I love the story and the characters. If you've ever had a pet, you've wondered, what are they thinking? In the book, Molly's story, you will come along with Molly and CJ's adventure. CJ's mom, Gloria, does not want her to have a dog, so CJ must hide Molly during the day and hope she doesn't make a sound. CJ and Molly are hanging out quietly as much as she can for a long day period. CJ cannot resist the urge to get Molly. I mean, how could she? Gloria, all throughout the story, is trying as hard as she can to separate them. CJ and Molly are determined to stay together. Molly knows she needs to step up because CJ is going through some hard times right now. Molly is a very important purpose for her owning. She will cuddle up with her at night and protect her from bad guys. This book is fantasy. The author is W. Bruce Cameron. I would probably give this book a 4.5 stars out of 5. The reason I would do this is because some of the parts got boring. Um, the only part of the book that got was not so good is how repetitive it got, and that was the part that made it boring. I would recommend this book to any age who would be interested in it, especially my friend Madison because she really likes books with an animal's point of view. Have you ever been a witness of a hit and run? In the book, Don't Tell Anyone by Peg Kirit, Megan is one of the main characters. She had recently been roller skating and her wheel had fallen off and the cat had caught it in its mouth. 
Then more and more cats had appeared around the field. One scared cat scratched Megan's hand, but she kept going back to the field to feed the cats. Megan was at the field feeding the cats when she witnessed the hit and run. There are two parts of the book. The main people are Megan and Shane. Every other chapter, Shane works for his brother-in-law's company and is trying to steal a few thousand dollars. Megan is at the field with the cats when she witnesses the hit and run. These two parts of the story are connected later to make the full story. The main events are by the field and the highway, and it is the present day. Megan finds Mr. Colby, which is Shane, to tell him that some workers had shown up to start construction at the field. She had told the workers that Shane said to not start building. Shane got mad at Megan and told her to get in his hot air balloon. Megan obeyed and finally refused because she had the envelope with the few thousand dollars Shane had previously stolen. He lowered the hot air balloon to get Meg out of it. Mr. Colby tried to convince Megan that grizzly bears might eat her and then drove off and left her in the field. After that, Megan followed a dirt path that she hoped would take her to a highway or road. When Mr. Colby came back, he soon realized that Megan had taken the envelope and he started following her footsteps and began to approach Megan. Megan peeked inside the envelope only to see thousands of dollars and she buried it. After she buried it, Megan saw Shane and ran to get inside a car and locked it to stay safe from Shane. That was when she found a cell phone and called the police. I think the that the writing styles for this book are suspense and cliffhangers because you want to keep reading the book and there are actions that take place that are very suspicious and mysterious. I would rate this book 4 out of 5 because it talks a lot about Megan and cats. I don't like, and I don't like cats as much as other animals. The book is mostly in third person because the narrator is talking most of the time. When the characters are speaking, it is in first and second person. What do you think will happen next? Will the police catch Shane or will Shane escape from the police? To find out, read the book. It is a very suspenseful chapter book that encourages you to read it more. So go ahead and read it. A great story with intriguing plot twists and plenty of action. Quote by School Library Journal. Imagine living in a world with no emotions and no color. How fun would that be? Well, that is exactly where Jonas lives. Jonas is a boy who is close to the age of 12, with a sister who is 7 years old. When Jonas turns 12, he is given an assignment as the receiver of memory. He has been told this is a very painful job. So Jonas checks his assignment folder and is ready for the next day. The next day, he goes to his job as the receiver in, of memory. In that experience of that job, he got to see snow and feel hills. The older receiver called it sameness, a thing he himself only gets to see. Then the older receiver gave him the sensation of sunshine, 
When he asked for the kind of pain he was going to feel, the giver gave him the feeling of sunburn. The giver, dra- the giver drained from his day of work. The next day, he asked the giver, why isn't there any color in the world? Giver told him that there were certain things that V had to let go of to, control, to gain control over things such as choices. As he trains and trains, he learns about the colors. He decides that it is unfair for the whole community not to experience color. As he learned about the giver, the giver decides to give him a more painful experience. While he is sledding on a hill, the sled gets out of the control and he breaks his leg. After the experience is over, he realizes the giver is not allowed to give relief give him relief, so he goes early to bed knowing that he can't share this info with others. Over the next few days, the giver gives Jonas terrible experiences in need of the future, while meanwhile, Gabriel, a new child, has trouble sleeping, so he tries to send him a memory. When he goes to sleep, Jonas wonders if he had done the right thing. The next day, the giver is in incredible pain. And he tells Jonas to take some of that pain away. In the process, Jonas feels hardcore pain on the battlefield that makes him never want to come back. But he does. The next day, the giver gives him more happy experiences so that he could recover. He asks about the most favorite experience he had, and that was Christmas, when everybody was opening a gift inside the room. Jonas asked about a good feeling he was feeling inside the room, and the giver told him it was love. That feeling, that evening, he asks his parents on the meaning of love and transmits memories so that Gabriel can go to bed. That, this morning, Jonas decides to not take his anti-emotional drug and leave for training. The next day, the giver tells him about Rosemary, that she was the receiver 10 years later ago, but was released. He saw it happen. Jonas wanted to see one, so he saw it happen, because receivers can see any information. So they inserted a needle, killing the child, throwing the body into the dump. He figured out they were planning to do it with the new child, Gabriel. So he decides to run with Gabriel away from the community. Does he survive? The the theme of this book is on the limited free will of the community because no one can make a decision and no one can choose their job and no one can choose their wife. The the council chooses everybody's decisions. I would rate this book five out of five because all of the pact, because of all of the pact in action, and the way she made the concept of the world and all of the suspense while reading the book. This is a must read.